Asia, one of the most vulnerable regions to climate change, saw over 57 million affected by climate disasters in 2021. Floods and storms make the largest share. And the risk is only going to grow due to rapid urbanization. The root of the problem is something we all know. Water. It's either too dirty, too much or too little. Today I am asking, what if we see water as the solution rather than the problem? I am Vincent Ede and this is Making Waves. Water plays a key role as leverage for sustainable urban growth and climate action. It takes millions to invest billions wisely. That is at least the conviction of the Netherlands Special Envoy for International Water Affairs, Henk Ovenk. Together with the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Henk Ovenk initiated a program called The Water's Leverage for Resilient Cities Asia to provide designs that will leverage water for rural-urban climate uh, resilience. The three cities where water has leverages to begin are Chennai, Kulna and Semarang. These cities will pilot a transformative uh, design approach with a view towards replication of its principles in Asia and the wider world. Chennai, Kulna and Semarang, they all face complex water challenges related to on top of rapid urbanization and unprecedented migration flows. Let's hear from Hank Ovenk what this program is all about. And what you see happening around the world is that the challenges become more complex and water is at the heart of that complexity. In one hand to make things worse, but in the other hand if you are able to understand that complexity, value water in its way, how to you know, move from risk to reward, and then find ways to solve it, manage it uh, by governance, by projects, by intervention. You're really able to uh, change these places for the better. So you need to work then in a coalition. Uh, and that coalition is a little different than often understood. It means that the implementation partners are part of the inception phase. And that the partners that are part of the inception phase are all the way partnering through all the way towards implementation. Also that the coalition is not only professionals, but it's experts from all kinds of levels. So very local, very individual, very much part of the community or NGOs, as well as the investors, the engineers, the designers, the politicians, the policy makers and decision makers. So it's everyone from every step. That's the beginning of an approach that's a little different that the investor, in this case FMO and the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, are as much part of the inception. And the reason why you need them up front is that innovation often is not funded because there is a lack of understanding on how to evaluate innovation. Our financial practices run by evaluation, but those evaluations are based on current standards and current knowledge. And innovation is never based on current standards and current knowledge. So if you want to invest in innovation, everybody has to be part of that first phase. Hank, I know of many beautiful places and islands in Asia and visiting the ones in Indonesia are definitely on my to-do list. These places and the people, of course, make Asia very attractive to visit. But tell us, why is Asia the focus of this program, not Africa? If you look at the world and all challenges add up, 
uh, and you look through a lens of climate change in the context of urbanization, you see floods and droughts and other challenges related to water everywhere around the world. But where it hits hardest and where most people are affected is Asia. Southeast Asia and South Asia is the place in the world where climate change hit the most people, where most people live in most vulnerable places. So when the extremes become more extreme, as we have in current days, it's also the extreme places that are hit hardest. And that's Southeast Asia when it comes to urbanization and people. Of course, you see a lot of drought challenges in Africa, um, pollution, lack of availability of drinking water and sanitation in Africa, but also in Latin America. When you mix in urbanization, uh, extreme events, droughts, uh, rain events, storms, surges, sea level rise, economic development and so forth. And then you look at people at risk, it's uh, Asia and Southeast Asia. We did research with the Environmental Assessment Agency and Deltaris, the International Architecture Biennale uh, Rotterdam, Architecture Workroom Brussels uh, and Fabrications. And so a consortium of partners in uh, Asia to see uh, where all these challenges pile up and are in the mix of places where there is capacity. And we found 20 plus cities in uh, Southeast and South Asia, uh, where those challenges are uh, tough, but also where there's an opportunity to intervene. But we don't have the money for 20 places. We are funded by the Dutch Foreign Office, uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and uh, their program, Invest in Nel. And that uh, capacity uh, gave us the opportunity to invest in three cities. So out of the 20 plus, we selected three cities. And those are Chennai in India, Kulna in Bangladesh and Semarang in Indonesia. Henk, you mentioned the importance of an integrated holistic approach for this project, as well as carrying everyone along. How does this approach take into consideration peculiarities like governance structures in these countries, for instance? I'd like to quote uh, Wim Kuyke, Delta Commissioner at the last Adaptation Future Conference. He said, there's a good thing on silos because we need the best experts and expertise in every aspect. Integration alone leads to a shallow approach. There's no expertise on housing, on urbanization, on water, on waste or clean drinking water. Then we lose out as well. Eh? But you need an integrated approach to be able to integrate. You need the silos too. Eh? Otherwise, there's nothing to integrate. If everything is comprehensive, then there's no content and there's no capacity. Silos are not bad. You can't blame silos for default. It's the collaboration, if that fails, between the silos on one, eh, between the expertise, but also on the other, between all layers of society, government, business, NGOs, individuals, community, in a way they're institutionalized, as well as the different layers of government, very local, regional and national. If that collaboration fails, or if you're not able to bring that collaborative capacity into such a challenge, then you're lost. So holistic and comprehensive, I'm, I'm not such a fan of holistic, but I understand what you mean is that I think an integrating, inclusive and comprehensive approach is critically important. But it's not only uh, important in the context of the silos in, within government, it's important within the way we are organized in society, institutionally and individually, business, NGO and government. Bringing that together in a programmatic approach like Water as Leverage is aiming for is a need, it's a necessity. How much value does water's leverage hold for these places? 
going local in the context of a regional assessment, that is a way. You have to contextualize your findings on a community level with partners that really have a stake and bring them together with experts and expertise from around the world, uh, but also people and organizations that want to take a responsibility in the implementation. So if you have the people that are involved, feel the need, but also the responsibility in moving forward, bring in governments from different layers, experts from around the world, and that can really add value to the challenge, but also add value to the opportunities, and the partners that can help on the implementation, both in finance as well as in, in really implementing. Then you can build a coalition, a group that has a stake, feels a responsibility, and does not perceive uh, agree on both the challengers as well as the solutions, but that can agree on something to build on together, which you could call a, you know, a new common. And I think that is not something new to the world. Uh, that is not a Dutch thing, that is a global thing. When I worked in Chennai right after the floods in 2015, you find that need for finding a common within a Tamil culture, which is not a Dutch culture but it's very local. Uh, you find that common in Bangladesh, in the Delta that is so vulnerable, in the need to move ahead. And you find that common also in Semarang. And it doesn't mean that it then leads by culture or by nature or by local conditions to the best way forward. And that's what we want to bring with Water is Leverage. An added value in unraveling the needs and the complexity, uh, defining a way to move forward, building a coalition in that, uh, building solu solutions that can really make a difference. That's the other part of Water as Leverage. We're not looking for low-hanging fruit, although we will find it and we'll bring it to the investor's table to see how we can fund even those type of projects. But Water as Leverage is aimed at the high-hanging fruit. In the context of these wicked challenges, those complex interventions that really can become transformative and catalytic. And Water as Leverage is trying to pinpoint those interventions that really you can use to have a ripple effect in these places of need. Also talking about an inclusive process and forging a new common. You know, Hank, for a farmer in Bangladesh, for instance, water and climate change has a different meaning from an engineer in the water board in Bangladesh. For a farmer, early rainfall could mean loss of harvest. But for the engineer, it's more about building the canals. How do you get all the stakeholders to be on the same picture in this project in terms of visualizing the problem and the solutions? The farmer and the engineer, uh, uh, the farmer local, the engineer national, might be different. And the assignment both got uh, the farmer from his own yeah. perspective and the engineer from a political role might be totally different. But the common is not in where they come from, the common is where they go. Because the solutions they have to provide have to benefit both. If the farmer finds a solution that in the end will have a negative impact on the delta, that is then not a good solution in the context of a, uh, of a more local or regional approach. And therefore will on the longer term fail and then not benefit the farmer too. So bringing that inside of a bigger scale and a longer term and more uh, needs is critically important for the intervention the farmer will have to, uh, have to invest in. Second, if the national government in this case, in the perspective of the engineer, does not take into account the need of the local farmer or farmers and the citizens of those places, the solution he or she will actually move forward will fail too. And will fail because too many people uh, will be effective in a negative way. 
too many lives might be lost or mm -hmm. harvest lost and therefore an e economy on the local scale will fail and therefore in this sense the region and then the country will fail too. So it's always in the mix that you will have to find pathways forward. And those pathways forward can only be defined if you mix in those different needs, interests and perspectives. So it's only because bringing them together you can find a solution that actually starts to add value. With the high-level panel on water, I go to the UN uh, for just a little mm -hmm. uh, perspective. With the high-level panel on water, uh, where I was a Sherpa uh, of and where my prime minister of the Netherlands served on uh, with uh, 10 other presidents and prime ministers from across the world, we identified uh, the need to value water differently. And we came up with principles on valuing water. And we bring those principles also to the water as leverage uh, approach. And these principles are, you know, popular sets. They're a little more complex and you can find them uh, online and we can send you uh, the document. But one is take a comprehensive approach, take into account the different values water brings, cultural, economic, social and environmental. Second, take an inclusive approach and use that inclusive approach also to build capacity, not only among uh, individuals uh, on the ground, but also among institutions, because Valuing water comprehensively demands different type of capacity that you have to build together. Focus on innovation and be able to fund it. Protect sources, especially the natural one. And, and specifically when it comes to water, that's critically important. And try to educate and empower the young and the youth and the gender. And those principles are true uh, and valuable across the world in the different contexts. I'm pretty sure uh, applying those principles also in the context of water as leverage in Asia, they can really add value. Hank, to come up with a solution that addresses water challenges in this project, which clearly would involve bringing people together, is there a role for storytelling in this process? Well, it is a story uh, and it must be told. And uh, that is a, perhaps the, the easiest answer. But there's something else. I think there are different aspects important. One, yes, a comprehensive long-term approach is critically important for sustainable development. If we don't look at the future to build the solutions now, we will fail. But what you see happening around the world is that we look at the past. Too often only from the past. And we can learn from the past, it's very important. But the solution should be based on a future perspective in the context of bringing these needs and assets together in a comprehensive way. Second, that does not build a new future. Eh? Plans are nothing without projects. Plans are you know, books on the shelves, policy documents that will not change the lives, uh, hearts or minds of anyone around the world. So a plan without a project just fails. But a project without a plan also fails. A project without that comprehensive context becomes an incident and there, therefore always has, uh, because it's not defined within a, a more comprehensive approach, the negative impacts of you know, the external effects of such a project are often then not taken into account. And then a project, while perhaps successfully on the very individual and short term, then becomes very non-successful in a more regional or local context, as well as on a longer scale. So the plan needs the project and the project needs the plan. You need to develop this inclusively. So that means that you have to incorporate everyone's needs, ideas, assets and understanding, both on the very local and, and need scale of a community, as well as from a 
either a government or a regional scale, as well as internationally, bringing in a community that has that type of expertise and experience to really start to add value all the way until the implementation partners, including the funders. And then you have to do this transparent to learn because, you know, with every process you will make mistakes, but those help, but you will also succeed and those will help too. So that learning capacity, that transparency, building up knowledge is critically important in a democracy yeah, to, to be able to be accountable or in a financial context to build a business case and do your benefit cost analysis methodology, but also to learn. If you take this Seriously, these four perspectives, you start to build capacity individually among all those different stakeholders, but also institutionally. And that leads to perhaps new insights on governance, on management, on organization, and that type of institutional capacity in the context of that it's, you know, that it's progressive can help you learn. Tying this together, you can use innovation or design and planning as a methodology, as we did in Rebuild by Design in New York, to really bring that together, all these aspects, but also help them leapfrog, help them really address future challenges in an innovative way, so the interventions you can come up with really can be catalytic and transformative. So that part is helpful. But to learn from that, eh, again, even in this, in this very you know, rigorous, complex approach, to learn for that, you need the stories, but also to deep dive in the, these different aspects. From the plan needs a story too. Uh, the inclusive approach needs the stories of the stakeholders. The projects in its capacity to innovate needs the narrative around it to be able to connect to, otherwise it alienates itself from the different stakeholders, it becomes too far-fetched, or the strategy is too abstract, or the project is too much of the other and not from for me or my neighbor. So the story and the way to story tell and the, uh, to be able to narrate uh, is, is critically important from these, for these different aspects too. Well, that was the insight in Water as Leverage for Resilient Cities Asia and Henk Ovink, the Netherlands Special Envoy for International Water Affairs, walked us through the details of the program. Making Waves is a Next Blue production and this episode was produced by Joop Janssen. Our editors are Namrata Acharya and Dennis Wonder. My name is Vincent Ede. Feel free to share this episode to your friends who are also seeking to understand the water challenges in Asia and how we can use water as leverage for resilient cities or give us your thoughts. You can reach us via our socials. Our handle is at Next Blue Stories.